Well, thank you, Jim, and thank you, musicians. If you would take your uh, good morning, by the way. <laughs> you. <-hoo. laughs> yes, if you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel according to Luke. My brother Warren read a part of this this morning, but we're going to read it again. Uh, because what I would like to um, share with you this morning is some thoughts on the Lord's Supper as a, a time of remembrance and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. Uh, sometimes, um, and we'll, I'll touch on this perhaps again later on, is that we tend to reduce Christianity to a system and we sometimes, as looking at it as a theological system, sort of reduce Christ to just part of it. And whereas, in fact, he is the center of our faith. And so uh, using the, the Lord's Supper as sort of the, the focus on remembering the Lord, we shouldn't just remember him on Sundays, of course, but, but through the week, but this is a particular time that we gather to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him some, uh, agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed, and he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered a city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, and you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. And perhaps we'll just stop there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we now consider uh, your word, we just pray uh, that the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. One of the things that um, make us who we are 
as individuals is our ability to remember. Uh, the remembrance of the people we have known, the places we have been, and the significant events of our lives all make to go, or all go to make us who we are. That's why diseases like dementia are so terrible. Those who are afflicted with them lose part of themselves as their memory fades. I had an uncle uh, who lived in Ontario. Uh, we used to visit him once a year. He was in a nursing home in a little place called Embrim uh, near Ottawa. And we used to visit him. And every year, as we visited him just to see how he was doing, he remembered a little less. Um, so the capacity to remember, as I say, the people, the places, the significant events of our lives all go to make us who we are. On Friday, we pause to remember those who gave their lives in the wars and the conflicts in which Canada has been involved and some of the people we may have known. Uh, my father was in the Royal Canadian Air Force in the Second World War and both my uncles served in, in the uh, Canadian military overseas. They, they came back. Uh, uh, so we have known people who have been uh, involved in war. And, but we remember, that's a time set apart to remember particularly uh, the war dead and uh, to make a point of remembering them and their sacrifice and the fact that we now are the beneficiaries of their sacrifice. Every Sunday or just about every Sunday with very few exceptions we gather together in this place to remember the Lord Jesus Christ in a service that's variously called the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper or communion. And as we have read in this passage in the Gospel of Luke, and we read it in the other Gospels as well, it's something that the Lord Jesus Christ has asked us to do. This do in remembrance of me. We are to particularly remember him. Remember him in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. And uh, the Lord's Supper, that's my preferred term for it. Uh, but it's one of the two ordinances given to the church. Baptism is one. And for the believer, that is a one-time event. When we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we trust him as our Savior and obey him as Lord, we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him it's his expectation, providing circumstances allow, uh, to be baptized. The thief on the cross, of course, had no opportunity uh, uh, for baptism. It is also his expectation that we will periodically, regularly gather together to remember him, to remember his death. And I would suggest not just his death, but his life his death, and his resurrection in the Lord's Supper. Both of these ordinances are not what I would call saving rites. You don't become a Christian by being baptized, nor do you become a Christian by taking the Lord's Supper. 
In fact, if you do that, you're uh, bringing condemnation on yourself. But is his expectation that those who believe in him will both be baptized and participate regularly in the Lord's Supper? And so it's the practice of this local church here at St. James to uh, remember the Lord weekly, the first day of the week, uh, Sunday, uh, believing this to be the pattern set out by the scriptures. And Acts 20, verse 7 uh, reads, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached on to them. And so it's... It is our practice to remember the Lord Jesus Christ weekly in the manner that he has asked us to do. And as, as we gather here, uh, sometimes we come out of habit. Uh, sometimes uh, we, uh, we come because it's expected of us. Um, but in our hymn that we sang this morning, hopefully, uh, it's for this reason. It's number 448 in our Believer's Hymn book. Uh, it says, the bread and wine are spread upon the board. The guests are here invited by the Lord. Why come they thus? Why do we come here? Out of habit? Because it's expected? Different reasons sometimes. Hopefully, for most of us, for all of us, why come they thus, why tarry for a space, but for thy presence, O thou King of grace. Hush in our hearts, pardon me, hush our hearts, hush, O our hearts, as in the sacred name we bow and worship in the promised claim, where two or three are gathered, there am I, unseen, yet present. To faith's open die. Here in our midst art thou, O risen Lord, worthy, O Lamb, once slain to be adorn, adored. Here in our midst to lead thy people's praise and incense sweet unto the Father raise. Well, that's as far as we'll go in that hymn. And so we gather here, hopefully, to meet the Lord, unseen, yet present to faith's open die. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ ask us to remember him so frequently in this way? And sometimes uh, when we do something, as taking the Lord's Supper, celebrating the Lord's Supper, the very act itself evokes memories. Uh, and he was well aware of how forgetful we are. Um, I'm forgetful. Uh, Peter, in his second letter, uh, writes not to tell his readers of some new thing, but to remind them of what they already know. Uh, if you read in Second Peter, actually Second Peter, um, I think it's chap uh, chapter one, verse twelve. Peter, knowing our our propensity to, pardon me, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter twelve. Chapter 12. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. Um, verse 12. Second Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 12. For this reason I would be not, 
I would not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am intent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing, knowing shortly I must put off my tent, uh, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Very often we don't need to be taught some new thing. We need to be reminded of the things that we already know. Secondly, I, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be reminded of the cost of our redemption. Because if we don't, it becomes very easy for us to presume on the grace of God and lapse into sin. When you realize what Christ went through to secure our salvation, it should give us pause and serve as a check if we're being led into careless living, careless thinking. Uh, we remember the war dead that were killed on the battlefields of the Somme and Passchendaele and Normandy and other places by rem observing Remembrance Day. We should even more remember the Lord Jesus Christ who died forsaken and alone at Golgotha for your redemption and mine. And then I think there's a third reason. The Lord Jesus Christ said, remember me. Like I've already said, it's easy to reduce Christianity to a system, uh, to a theological system, and I'm by no means uh, uh, trying to make light of the, the importance of doctrine in any way. But sometimes it's easy to lose uh, sight of the trees in the forest, if you know my meaning. And I think that it's possible to think of the Lord Jesus Christ in almost a theoretical way, that he's part of an equation. Uh, but we need to remember him as a person. As a person, uh, the man Christ Jesus. What is it Paul wrote? He said, for there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And I think that's why it's so important for us to come here and remember him. That's why it's so important for us to revisit in our Bible reading the Gospels. So that we keep in our mind and our memory that flavor, if you will, of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. To remember him as the visible, the incarnate image of the invisible God. And what he, what he was like. What he was like. He was a man who got tired. When he was in Samaria, he was tired. He sat on the edge of the well, waiting for uh, the woman with her water jar. It's a man who got thirsty, same scenario. He asked for a drink. A man who got hungry. 
He was a man who got angry. Uh, anger, you know, for human beings, sometimes anger can be a very negative thing. Uh, you can do a lot of damage with uncontrolled anger. But he was a man who got angry. You may remember the incident of the synagogue where he was speaking and there was a man with a withered hand. And he called the man forward uh, and um, he knew what was in the minds of the people in the synagogue. They were waiting to see if they could find fault for healing, doing work on the Sabbath day. And he became angry. He was angered with their hardness of heart. Unfortunately, a lot of the pictures that are drawn and painted of the Lord Jesus Christ often show him with a blank expression. But he was angry, justifiably so, at human cruelty. He got angry at the presence of livestock dealers and money changers in the temple. He was a man of tender heart who wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Shortest verse in the Bible, if I'm not mistaken, Jesus wept. And he was a man uh, whose heart was broken over the rejection of himself by Jerusalem. You think of those words, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who murder the prophets, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. a real man, like us in every way, with one significant exception, he had no sin. And I think as we, we gather to remember the Lord Jesus Christ at the Lord's Supper, it's good for, for us to keep these things in mind, focusing, of course, on his death, but also remembering the kind of man he was, man of compassion, uh, I think of him uh, being summoned uh, by Jairus, whose daughter was ill. A woman touched the hem of his garment, and he felt, as it were, power going out of him. He had time to turn around and say, who touched me? And the frightened woman, of course, came forward. But he had time. He had the compassion, the largeness of heart to deal with her. And you think of many others. You think of the man let down through the, through the roof. You think of the widow of Nain who was grieving her dead son. Got him back to life, brought back to life. And so we need to remember the Lord Jesus Christ as he is. Remember him in his essential humanity. Again, who is like us in every respect with the exception of sin. And, and so to constantly revisit the four Gospels together as we do here Sunday by Sunday to be reminded of that he felt. He knew what it's like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. To be sold for 30 pieces of silver, as it were. He knew what it was like to be denied even elementary justice 
Again, I, I think of Pilate. I find no fault in this man. Take him and crucify him. He felt the abandonment of his friends, the sting of the whip, the impact of the closed fist. He was beaten up. He was beaten up. The pain of the nails, the incipient suffocation of the cross, constantly sagging down and having to pull himself up so that he could breathe. He went through all that. And with all the sense of isolation from God himself, God the Father Almighty, as he bore the stigma and the penalty of sin, not his own. And so that's remembering Christ, seeing him not as just a factor in a theological equation, but as a real, live, breathing human being with all of the, the problems that come with that. Perhaps even the problems of life being compounded in that he was without sin. And so I would suggest perhaps that the impact of sin affected him more than it does us. We know all about sin because it's part of us, but not him, not him. And as I come to sort of the close here, uh, with all that, uh, he experienced something else, and I think it's something so unexpected, uh, almost contradictory. But in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, the, verse, the first um, two verses. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking onto Jesus, the one we've just been thinking about, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In all of his life, this, this joy was before him. the joy of having accomplished uh, what the Father sent him to do, the joy of seeing in futurity the many souls that would come to save, saving faith in him. Um, G.K. Chesterton writing of the person of Christ, he says this, the tremendous figure which fills the gospel towers in this respect as in every other above all the thinkers who ever thought themselves tall. His pathos was natural, almost casual. The Stoics, ancient and modern, were proud of concealing their tears. He never concealed his tears. 
He showed them plainly on his open face at any daily sight, such as the far sight of his native, native city. Yet he concealed something solemn supermen and imperial diplo diplomats are proud of restra restraining their anger. He did not restrain his anger. And again, we think of the time when he spoke out to the withered man with the withered hand in the synagogue and when he cast out the livestock dealers and the money changers at the temple. Chesterton goes on to say, yet he restrained something. I say it with reverence that there, that there is in that shattering personality a thread that might be called shyness. There was something he hid from all men when he went up the mountain to pray. There was one thing too great for God to show us when he walked upon our earth, and I have sometimes fancied that, in, that, that it was his mirth. And mirth is just an old word for joy. For the joy that was set before him, he despised the cross, pardon me, endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is our savior. This is the only savior. And this is the man that we need to remember daily, if the pressures of life allow us to, uh, as we read in the gospels, and as we gather here to, he said, remember me. Yes, remember his death, remember what his death means for us, but to remember him, the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person when he walked this earth, to remember him as we break bread and drink the cup. If there's any here who don't know Christ as Savior, I would encourage you to consider him who did all these things and suffered all these things that through faith in him you might enter into peace, you might enter into rest with forgiveness of sins and the assurance of heaven with all that that involves. And I don't think we even know a small amount of what the, heaven, what the future in heaven entails. But think about him. Think about him and think about what he said. You know, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, if you look for yourself, you will only find uh, grief, sorrow, in the end, um, the condemnation of God. But if you look for Christ, you will find him and everything else thrown in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this brief consideration of the person of your son. Um, help us, our God, not to lose sight of who he is, of all that he suffered as he walked this earth so many centuries ago. Help us not to lose sight of his grace, of his compassion, his mercy, his submission to your will, even to the death of the cross. 
Help us not to lose sight of the fact that it is through him that we have the right to be called the children of the living God. So we just uh, thank you for this time in your word. Uh, be with us the balance of this day, we pray. We would pray for your blessing that we might be uh, a blessing to others. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.